What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Because traffic and weather and all that, we got more snow and the roads are a wreck. So here's the deal. We got a lot of news to cover as well. And in the meantime, we would also like your local reports of where you are and what your condition is. Is the snow, the roads passable in your area? Let us know. Are you able to venture out? Let us know. Now, 404-872-0750, wsb talk And just to start this program, it is 10 after the hour. And how is it that my kids were able to get up this morning before 7 o'clock without an alarm and instinctively they knew it had snowed? How is that possible? I mean, every, I mean, for five days of the week, you got to go in and you got to force them to get out of bed and get ready for school. And then on a Saturday, they are up, I mean, before the sun is up. And on a snow day, too. It just it boggles my mind. And they're ready to go to the house. Meanwhile, I just want to sleep. I mean, it's not like the snow was going anywhere. I mean, we got snow down on the, the south end of, of where we live. We got not quite an inch, I don't believe, but it was, it was good enough they went outside and went sledding. Now, here's the other thing is I keep thinking I need to go buy sleds. I need to get them on Amazon or something, but I've convinced myself that the moment we buy sleds, the moment sleds arrive at the Erickson household will be the last moment it ever snows in middle Georgia. I'm pretty convinced of that. And in fact, I'm pretty sure if I buy sleds, it will never snow in North America again. And so we don't. So I went upstairs and got the tops off the big plastic bins that we put our Christmas decorations in. I did not tell my wife and the kids and I went outside and they they went sledding now the last time we had snow the time I was on the radio for like 24 hours <laughs> when when Atlanta snowpocalypse was snowed in nobody could go anywhere Christy went outside with the kids that time I slept in because I was exhausted I was on radio until six o'clock in the morning and she got on the cookie sheet she went down the hill went into the cul-de-sac, went across the cul-de-sac, jumped the curb, went down the neighbor's driveway and broke her tailbone. So she stayed inside today. Now, this has been an event. And while all of this is going on, 
We've got a number of stories in Washington that are continuing to grow. Uh, we've got a potential government shutdown coming in two days. We've got two porn stars who have come out and, and they said they had uh, relations with Donald Trump while he's married to his current wife. And I, I keep waiting for the president's evangelical apologist to come out and say, it's just like David, it's all okay, it's just like David. Um, we'll, we'll get into that. We got the immigration issue continuing to fight. And in Georgia, the Georgia Republicans in the legislature have abandoned faith-based adoption agencies protections. Faith-based adoption agencies in Georgia will no longer be allowed to help the state place kids in loving homes under legislation pending in the state legislature here in Georgia. Don't forget, folks, in Coweta County, stay off the roads or you may get thrown in jail. Um, that is a big situation over there. A lot of snow in the area, in some places much more than they expected. We were actually expecting a, a dusting in our area of middle Georgia and got almost an inch. It was definitely more than a dusting, and it has melted. It hasn't gotten above freezing, and so the roads are just a sheet of ice. I, I couldn't get out of the driveway. Thankfully, I've got the bunker at home so I can do my show from the house because there was no way I could get to the studio today. Um, everything's just a sheet of ice. And, you know, overnight in Atlanta, one of the problems um, is they went on and they treated the roads overnight with the salt solution, and it got so cold that the salt solution froze. Poor Scott Slade jumped the curb coming into the office this morning. Uh, the roads were a complete mess. Thankfully, no damage to his car. Uh, but yeah, just busy, messy situation out there. Now, we got, let me just deal with this out of the gate. We have physical truthers. The president took his physical, and there are physical truthers. They, they do not like the fact that the president's physician gave him a clean bill of health, both physically and mentally. I mean, you, you actually have uh, reporters at the White House briefing. In fact, the very first question today at the White House briefing was a health truther. Listen to this. Let me get this sorted here. Uh, we got everything. There we go. Well, audio, see, in addition to everything else, we're having audio difficulties here. It's just one of those days, folks one of those days where nothing seems to work right. Let's try this again. Uh, Sarah, there have been some suggestions in the media today that the president does in fact suffer from heart disease, that his weight is larger than was indicated yesterday. Um, does the White House stand by Dr. Jackson's report? Absolutely. Uh, Dr. Jackson has been a White House physician for the last 12 years, uh, trusted by Presidents Bush, President Obama, and now uh, President Trump. He is the only doctor that has weighed in on this matter that has actually examined the president. And so uh, I think a doctor that has spent the amount of time with the president, uh, as Dr. Jackson has, is not only the most qualified, but the only credible source uh, when it comes to diagnosing any health concerns. And um, we support what he said yesterday 100% that the president is in excellent health. And uh, I think he exhausted just about every question that you guys have and showed probably that he's in pretty good health too to stand up here for an hour and take questions. John. Uh, not too long ago, uh, Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona took uh, Okay, so they went into Jeff Flake after, after that. So, so this is Dr. Jackson, who has been the doctor for George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and now Donald Trump. 
In fact, yesterday was very interesting. Uh, even Trump administration officials who do not like Donald Trump, or Obama administration officials who do not like Donald Trump and think the worst of him, were waving off reporters who were in open speculation. First of all, can I just stop here and say, have you seen the quack that Donald Trump used in New York? The the flaky dude who looked like Brett Spitter from Independence Day in there uh, talking to aliens? You know what I'm talking about, the scene from the movie Independence Day with the crazy, I guess he was in the second one as well. Come on, no. So the conspiracy is an inch. The U.S. government doctor in the military, says Donald Trump is 6'3". Donald Trump's license says he is 6'2". Who are you going to believe? Donald Trump's license in New York or Donald Trump's government physician? This is the insanity that we have. Is it any wonder no one takes the press seriously in this country anymore? I think I'll believe the government physician who both Obama and Bush praise as opposed to the flaky dude in New York City who sent out that ridiculous letter back during the campaign to attest to Donald Trump's fitness. And you know why they're really upset about this? They want to undermine the doctor because they believe that they can undermine the doctor on that. They can undermine him on Donald Trump's mental condition. Because the government doctor ran a series of cognitive tests on Donald Trump. And the cognitive tests show he's mentally fine. And there goes the 25th Amendment nonsense that the left has been fantasizing about. In the fever dreams of the left, Mike Pence and the cabinet are going to throw Donald Trump out of office. It's not going to happen in the real world. But they've convinced themselves the 25th Amendment is the option, and it's not. Donald Trump is not crazy. And you know what's so, so bizarre about this? Is that the left should be outraged if they're going to be outraged about anything be outraged that the man is sane and doing what he's doing the left is outraged because they think he's crazy and people are letting him get away with it as opposed to thinking um this guy's sane and doing it maybe now they'll become even more angry when they realize oh gosh there's nothing wrong with him and he's doing this Twenty-six after the hour, Eric Erickson here. DeKalb County Schools have just announced that they're going to be closed on Thursday as well due to the icy roads. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Well, you know, we'll get into the government shutdown here in a minute. Uh, I just, I got a bunch to say on the government shutdown and some audio to play for you as well. There's plenty of other stuff going on out there as well. But I think the big story for us today is the snow. And we are happy to take your phone calls throughout the program this afternoon in the next four hours of what do things look like out there for you where you are, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And, uh, well, oh, do I? Uh, I guess we got to. I'm going to put this off, though. I don't know that I actually want to delve too deeply into this. Um, Stormy Daniels. That's not a real name. It's her stage name, and she had a relationship. She had an encounter with Donald Trump. Um, and she was paid money to go quiet 
Fox News apparently had the story in October of 2016 and did not run the story. Others got the story, and In Touch Magazine did an interview with Stormy Daniels, and she says that Donald Trump uh, did cheat on Melania with her. And there is another adult film actress out there as well who has come out. I can't remember this woman's name, stage name or otherwise. Uh, and she also had an affair with Donald Trump while married to Melania. Both of these women. Now, uh, you, can, you can dismiss them. Um, the question, though, is why then did the Trump team pay them money? And this goes into a different angle here of, um, is there a campaign finance violation? And it's something the Mueller team will probably look at. Because the non-disclosure agreements that these women entered into for money did not come from the Trump campaign, though they came during the campaign and arguably were designed to prevent the derailing of his campaign. So they therefore benefited his campaign and yet were not disclosed, it seems. So there actually is a campaign finance issue on whether or not they were paid to keep quiet to benefit the candidacy of Donald Trump. Uh, it is something they're going to have to look at. Um, now, a lot of people, of course, are speculating, what is this going to do with evangelicals? Will evangelicals turn on Donald Trump? Um, I don't think they will because of this. It is interesting, though, that this comes on the anniversary of Bill Clinton's impeachment. Uh, what, 20 years ago, Bill Clinton, an impeachment began against Bill Clinton for his adultery with Monica Lewinsky, which conservatives will tell you is actually because he lied in the deposition of Paula Jones, but it all stemmed from his adultery with Monica Lewinsky and Jerry Falwell Sr., was one of those who thought there shouldn't be an adulterer in the office. And it's just fascinating to me that 20 years later, Jerry Falwell Sr., who wanted to throw Bill Clinton out for adultery, is uh, now his son, Jerry Falwell Jr., is championing the, the multiple times adulterer, uh, three times married president. It's what a fascinating collapse of evangelicalism in America. Well, I need to bring you guys up to speed on something. It is Eric Erickson here, 40 after the hour. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. Um, and we, we need to pivot to state politics here. Um, the Senate, the state Senate in Georgia, has in front of it uh, House Bill 159. That is the adoption reform legislation and you need to know that the senate judiciary committee has stripped from it religious freedom protections for faith-based adoption agencies that means that that faith-based adoption agencies in georgia will not be allowed to help the state place kids in foster care into loving homes uh, the reason is the republican leaders in the state are fearful of offending the liberals who run Amazon.com, and they are fearful of and have heard from the big Hollywood studios who film in Georgia. All of them are opposed to letting faith-based adoption agencies continue in Georgia as long as they believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. 
They can't stop the faith-based organizations from doing that yet. But what they can do is get the Republicans in the state to prohibit faith-based adoption agencies from helping the state. The balance here is, can a religious person live out their faith as the Constitution says? Remember, it's, it's freedom to exercise their religion, not just freedom of worship. So can a religious person live out their faith under the Constitution without the state discriminating against them? Now, there will be those, and it is a perfectly valid argument, although I disagree with it, um, that, well, you're allowing faith-based groups to discriminate against gays. Well, the reality here is that everyone discriminates. The one party that's not supposed to discriminate is the state. There, there are people I know in this listening audience who will not go to Chick-fil-A because it is a Christian organization. There are churches and there are businesses who have certain quotas. There are race-based selections for various businesses that prioritize people who may not have uh, as good a qualifications as someone else, but they want to balance them out, diversity. They, everybody discriminates in various ways. The one group that's not supposed to discriminate is the government. But what this adoption reform legislation will do is say the government can say no Christians allowed to participate in adopting children in the state. Now, this will not prohibit private adoptions by faith-based adoption agencies. What it does, though, is it tells faith-based agencies in Georgia you're no longer allowed to help the state take kids who are in foster care and place them into loving homes. You're no longer allowed to participate because we don't like your definition of marriage. The Republicans in the state intend to do this unless you stop them. The legislation will come up before the Senate tomorrow. So here's the deal. The state Senate is going to consider this legislation. The state Senate had faith-based adoption agency protection in it. The state Senate had in this legislation a protection so that faith-based adoption agencies could participate in adoptions in the state. With that gone, faith-based adoption agencies will either have to give up their deeply held religious beliefs or they'll have to stop helping place kids in foster care into loving homes. I think that if the goal is to put as many kids in loving homes, we should have as many adoption agencies as possible. Now, the left, the secular left, who don't believe in God and don't believe in religion, they think it's a bunch of hokey nonsense, a bunch of bigotry. They think that no adoption agency should exist unless that adoption agency will adopt into same-sex couples. But there is such a thing as a worldview. And their worldview is God doesn't exist. This is a bunch of hooey. And if God did exist, he wouldn't allow this. But there are Christians out there who the very first words of the Bible are in the beginning, God created. And God created male and female. He created marriage and we're not allowed to change it. And you're asking these people, these faith-based adoption agencies, to reject their deeply held multi-thousand-year-old religious views. I don't know why in a state like Georgia that is filled with Christians, we should be asking Christians in particular, but also Jews and Muslims, to give up their deeply held religious beliefs in order to help the state, in order to help taxpayers. But that is what your General Assembly in Georgia is going to do, and you need to understand this. The Republican leaders in the General Assembly 
led by the governor and the Speaker of the House, have decided to discriminate against faith-based groups. They have essentially decided that they will punish faith-based groups. They will deny them the right to place kids in loving homes unless they give up their deeply held religious beliefs. The legislation comes before the Senate tomorrow. I would encourage you to text the word ADOPT to 52886. Text the word ADOPT to 52886 and you'll be able to contact your members of the state legislature and tell them that they should not pass this legislation unless it has religious liberty protection for these faith-based groups. I think that is totally a fair thing to do, to say we want adoption reform in the state. It needs to be updated, but you shouldn't discriminate against faith-based adoption agencies. The fact of the matter is, Texas has just updated its adoption laws, just like Georgia has done. But in Texas, they actually added the faith-based religious liberty protections. In Texas, they said, we're not going to stop Christian adoption agencies from helping us place kids in loving homes just because Hollywood wants it. Just Amazon reached out in Texas. Apple did, Dell did, IBM did. Uh, the Hollywood studios did. They all reached out to Texas and told Texas, don't you pass this legislation. And the Texas legislature said, no, nah, we're, we're going we're gonna to pass this legislation with religious liberty protection because the priority should be getting kids in loving homes, not advancing the gay rights agenda. We are increasingly in a culture war in this country, and you need to realize that your Republican leaders in Georgia are not on your side. They may talk a good game about Jesus and love babies, but they're not actually advancing the kingdom. They are advancing the secular agenda of a group of liberal atheists in Hollywood with this and other things, and you need to know that. They are so afraid of losing Amazon, they would rather lose you than lose Amazon. And it's going to come back and bite them because they are attracting into the state and championing the causes of a bunch of people who wouldn't pee on them if they were on fire. And you didn't know that. You should support faith-based adoption agencies in Georgia. You should tell the Senate, do not pass this legislation without these protections. You can do so by texting the word ADOPT to 52886 right now. If you're a longtime listener to my radio show, you know I've advertised for a mattress store that I've used a lot even before I was in radio. And... With the rise of online mattresses, I've always kind of liked to go into a store, but my kid wasn't very happy with the mattress that she had in her room. Very, very firm mattress. And she was pushing me for one of these Casper mattresses because, well, you see them on the internet all the time, and she knew people who had them. And we actually got the Casper dog bed, and our dog, Maggie, loves the Casper dog bed. Yes, you can get a dog bed from Casper. So we took a chance. And, you know, she likes it. If anything that will get her out of sleeping in her brother's room into her own room, I'm taking a chance on. And this is one of those things. And it worked. Um, so the Casper mattress, it is one of the newfangled mattresses that comes in a box to your house. You order it over the Internet. You get it into the bedroom. You, It's sealed in this vacuum package. You cut it open. And it basically sucks all the oxygen out of the room as it inflates. Um, and it, it's not an inflatable. It's just it, it's vacuum sealed and the foam, all the oxygen comes out of it. And so it just it grows. It swells. Um, you, you probably want to stand out of the room while it does it because it's sucking in all the air. But 
Um, it's it's not quite soft. It's not quite firm. It's a good balance, and it's comfortable. It really is. It's one of those new trendy beds, but it's a trend that actually works and people find popular, and my kid is totally sold on this. So the other nice thing about it is, unlike some of the beds out there that are like Casper, this one actually is very, very breathable. So not only do you get a good night's sleep, you're not going to get hot and sweaty all night long. And they also offer a couple other mattresses now, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent-pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. The Essential has a streamlined design at a price that's not going to keep you up all night. So how do you get these? Well, there's a special offer for you guys listening right now. You get $50 towards a select mattress by visiting casper.com slash eric e-r-i-c-k and using the promo code eric e-r-i-c-k at checkout now remember it's e-r-i-c-k that's casper.com slash eric use the promo code eric for fifty dollars off select mattresses terms and conditions do apply It's 55 after the hour. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So, well, um, I guess well, this is a short segment, so I can I can delve into this a little bit. Uh, first of all, one of the listeners, oh, who was it? Um, whoever. So, yeah. Uh, one of you pointed out it is a little funny that the Stormy Daniel story comes from a magazine called In Touch. Um, she says that uh, the president um, viewed her like his daughter. And that apparently that was some level of turn on. Um, now, you get, listen, I, I get this. I, I was texting on Friday. When, no, I don't get that. I, I, I get that some of you are going to be deeply skeptical. On Friday, I was texting with a mutual friend who is a friend of the president's that he reached out to about um, his whole remark. And I mean, people, unless you name that person, I refuse to believe it's fake news. I am sure people will look at this and say, hmm. She got $130,000 from the president and signed a non-disclosure agreement um, is saying that she wouldn't say anything during the election. I'm sure she made it all up. There, The amount of rationalization of people uh, to avoid having to deal with things in life never ceases to amaze me. Um, people would sooner believe in aliens and in in nonsense and in the Loch Ness monster than believe reality if it it prevents them from having to deal with uncomfortable truths. Uh, the problem is there are some people who are delving into the uncomfortable truths, and and I want to spend some time on that tonight. Uh, when we come back, though, uh, we got a government shutdown in the making. Uh, the Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows, and the like. They apparently have the votes to block a spending resolution. And the reason they intend to block, and of course they're going to get the blame. Everybody's already out there blaming them, saying it's going to be their fault. Uh, meanwhile, you've got Senate Democrats saying they want to shut down the government over DACA and immigration, but it's going to be the Freedom Caucus that gets the blame, and they're okay getting the blame. And the reason they're okay getting the blame is because we got massive spending and that is just completely unchecked. The Republicans in Congress continue to grow the government. They continue to say that we need to reduce spending. They continue to say we need to make cutbacks, and they refuse to do it. And so the House Freedom Caucus is 
absolutely fundamentally calling them on that and saying, you know what, we got to start having some spending discipline here. Now, there are liberals out there saying, well, you guys voted for the tax plan, but you know, Mark, Mark um, Meadows and the like, they say, well, we don't have a spending problem in there. We don't have a, a revenue problem in the country. We've got a spending problem in the right. you got to make spending cuts. Even if you were to raise taxes on everyone, you still wouldn't have enough to close the national debt. So what are you going to do? And that's what these Republicans want to know. We'll talk about it when we come back. after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's evening news early today. Early evening news. Why? Because the weather's garbage out there and I'm supposed to go up to Atlanta tomorrow afternoon and I don't know that I'm going to be able to. I'm assuming that it'll be above freezing and I guess I'll have to ask Doug Turnbull that here um, later. So now, Government shutdown. Well, it appears that there may be a government shutdown. And the question is, who's going to get the blame? And as always, Republicans are going to be the ones to get the blame. Although Sarah Sanders gives her good old college try this afternoon at the White House. Um, She had a conversation with reporters during the press briefing about the shutdown and one of the things that sarah sanders uh one of the big issues that came up was whether or not uh republicans were going to get the blame the president certainly doesn't want to shut down and if one happens uh i think you only have one place to look and that's to the democrats who are holding our military and our national security hostage by trying to push through other policies that have nothing to do with the budget um We would like to, again, get a budget deal done, a two-year budget deal, a clean budget deal, and then focus on uh, negotiations following that, that deal with uh, finding a permanent solution to DACA and responsible immigration reform. We've said that many times before. Our position has not changed. But the problem is that it is House Freedom Caucus members who are somewhat blocking uh, the spending resolution in the House. Here's Mark Meadows, the leader of the House Freedom Caucus. We're not setting any demands for leadership. Uh, I I will say, based on the number of no and undecided votes, there is not enough votes for a Republican-only bill uh, that would reach a 218 threshold. Uh, without convincing some of our members to switch their position from either undecided or no to yes. Now, you need to understand the House Freedom Caucus because, of course, they're going to get tarred and feathered by all sides as to blame for the government shutdown. Here is their concern. The Republicans control everything. The House, the Senate, and the White House. And this is a spending resolution. And what the Republicans continue to do is pass short-term spending resolutions without any constraints on spending. They just continue to grow things. We are over $20 trillion in national debt. We have a deficit again this year. The tax cuts look like they're going to have a stimulative effect on the economy and increase revenue into Washington, but it's still not going to be enough to close the gap you got to have cuts. 
So what are they going to cut? And Republicans don't want to cut anything. They don't want to do any sort of reform. They don't want to reform entitlements. They don't want to make spinning cuts to anything. They want to keep giving money away. And we are, as a nation, going to go bankrupt. What do we do? And what the Freedom Caucus's position is, is they don't want a 25-point plan at this moment. But they want some show from Republican leaders that they get that we got to exercise some spending discipline. And they're not getting that from Republican leaders. Nobody seems to be offering up a, a plan that has any discipline for spending. And so that's what they're saying is they don't want to vote for these continual month-to-month spending plans that are continuing to pile up money uh, and debts for the nation, for our kids, without some sort of signal that we're going to have a comprehensive plan. Now, what the Republican leaders are doing is they're trying to add enough immigration rights to the spending plan so that they can overcome the votes of the House Freedom Caucus. And that is not getting enough attention. Because, listen, I realize I'm, I disagree with a lot of you guys on the immigration issue. I am much more in favor of letting DACA recipients and their parents stay in the country if they've been here for a long time and haven't broken the law other than coming here. Not necessarily giving them citizenship, but just not rounding them all up and deporting them. And I realize that uh, I, that I disagree with you guys on that, and that's okay. What I, what I agree with you on is that Republicans should not be giving away the farm to get a spending bill passed that doesn't actually address out-of-control spending. And that is what they want to do, and that is why the Freedom Caucus is reacting. Because what is happening behind closed doors in Washington, D.C. today is Republican leaders and Democrats are meeting trying to get comprehensive immigration reform and tie it to a spending bill so that they can fund the government, increase spending, and give citizenship to a bunch of illegal aliens. That is legitimately, literally, really honestly what is happening they though have problems themselves because the senate is more liberal on immigration than the house and the house has an immigration plan that does not willingly give citizenship to a bunch of DACA recipients and the senate doesn't think it goes far enough so everybody's got a minimum on the table of what they want and those minimums all conflict with each other. It's one thing if you've got a bunch of, of minimum offers on the table and they don't necessarily conflict with each other, so you can add a little here, take a little there, and come up with a plan. But here they differ. So, for example, let me. we now have the, the summary of the Senate Dream Deal. DACA recipient. We'll have a pathway to citizenship, Uh, 12 years with up to two years of credit for time served under DACA, meaning two years uh, that they've been under the DACA program. The DREAMers with conditional permanent resident status would not be eligible for federal means-tested benefits in accordance with current federal law. Now, what is their eligibility for citizenship? Well, they must have entered the U.S. by June 15, 2012, however you prove that. There's a bar for convictions of specific crimes, which cannot be waived in any circumstance. 
Uh, INA criminal bars can only be waived by a case-by-case basis. That's immigration and naturalization. For humanitarian purposes or when in public interest. The Secretary of Homeland Security has to submit quarterly reports to Congress on the number of waiver requests and how many were granted. And they've got a satisfied federal tax liability accrued since receiving work authorization under DACA. There would be border security. There would be some family reunification. See, in some of these cases, the parents of DACA recipients would become citizens as well. And the House says absolutely not. So you got all of these competing interests. You got the House Freedom Caucus saying, wait, 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 our spending resolution should be about spending, not about immigration, and we need a plan to control spending. House leaders and Senate leaders have different plans on what to do with immigration. The Democrats have completely different plans from that. The president has different plans from that. And it's all got to be done by Friday, which suggests we may have a government shutdown. And when we come back, I want to tell you why that's not a bad idea. It's 26 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So, the shutdown looks more and more like it's going to happen because talks continue to break down on Capitol Hill. They're actually, so they had an event this afternoon on Capitol Hill for Bob Dole, a former Senate leader, former Republican presidential candidate. He's still around that Bob Dole he is. And they couldn't, behind the scenes, get a deal. They've been trying. They've been trying very, very hard to get a deal. But there, everybody has different starting positions, and that's kind of the problem in these sorts of negotiations. The, the bottom line for the House Freedom Caucus is that they want to see some spending discipline. And they don't just want to see spending discipline per se. They want to see that the... Republican leaders have a plan to deal with the massive debt and deficit issue without just throwing money around. And they're not getting that from the House. So the House leadership is trying to pass a spending deal that has enough pro-immigration measures to entice Democrats. The problem is that The House does not want a plan that gives citizenship to DACA recipients, and the Democrats in the House do, so they can't get the votes. And even if they did, the problem is that that would scuttle the deal with the Senate because the Senate has a plan that does give citizenship, but it also gives citizenship to the parents in some cases of DACA recipients, and there isn't enough support in the House for that even among some Democrats. The Democrats you see, people don't pay attention to it. The Democrats are as divided as the Republicans on this issue. There is a real divide among Democrats on whether or not they should give citizenship to the parents of the DACA recipients. Most of the Democrats tend to agree that the DACA recipients should get citizenship. Whether you agree or not, this is the Democrats' position. But there's a real split on border security among the Democrats. There really isn't a major difference among Republicans on border security. And there is also a big division among Democrats on citizenship. Should the parents of DACA recipients get citizenship or just permanent resident alien status? Most of the Republicans believe that the DACA recipients' parents uh, should be deported or get uh, resident alien status. If they want citizenship, they should have to go to their home country. So 
nobody can agree on an initial offer because the initial offers are all over the place and there's very little overlap that they can actually get. So we'll see if there's a government shutdown on Friday. Here's why I think it's a good thing that the government shuts down. We suddenly have a rekindled faith on the left in federalism. The left suddenly believes federalism is a good thing. 20 states are suing the federal government over net neutrality, over getting rid of net neutrality. Now, I don't think they have a case because the FCC has the power to do that, but they can find a liberal judge, judge shop, and maybe get something for a little while until he gets overruled on appeal. Maybe by then you got a different president. But they suddenly believe in federalism. They suddenly believe in the power of the states. I think that if the government shuts down, they will also see that they do not need to be beholden to a federal government in Washington run by Donald Trump for their daily lives. Because when Barack Obama was president, it was almost a messianic, faithful belief that you had to have the government so that you could live. With Donald Trump, I think that changes, and I think that's a good thing for them. And our kids' school is canceled again tomorrow. I was pretty convinced that they wouldn't. Our our road right in front of our house, um, the sun hit it this afternoon, and it's dried out. But a lot of icy roads. Here's the problem. Um, In fact, I I was supposed to go into the city tomorrow, um, go to the gym, see my trainer, go to the office. But the roads in Atlanta, you're not going to get above freezing until the afternoon. And then all that snow is going to start melting. And the temperature is going to drop again, and so it's going to turn to ice. So if I were to do that, by the time I left the gym, I wouldn't have time to get home, so I'd have to do my show. And then it'd be dark and everything back in ice, and I don't want to drive home in the dark on ice tomorrow. So I, I think I'm staying put along with everyone else. I'm I'm glad occasionally to be able to do this show from the bunker in the house. Uh, my goodness gracious. It is a mess out there. So I, I got a question for you guys. Well, I, it, it's a rhetorical question. Let me just say, there is a problem for Republicans developing, and I want to share my thoughts on it with you. You know, midterm elections tend to be low turnout anyway. And since they tend to be low turnout elections anyway, and the most energized side goes, and the most energized side is the party out of power, well, things there's already a Democratic wave coming. But this gets back to the president's statement on Thursday, and I think what gets overshadowed in the media, the media is focusing on the word he used. Whether he used the S word followed by whole or followed by house, there's really no debate that he actually used it. I mean, even Cotton and Purdue have privately told a couple of people on Capitol Hill that, yeah, he he said something along those lines. They won't confirm he actually said that word, but nonetheless. But that's getting that that is taking the focus off the actual issue and the actual issue is his presupposition that people from those countries aren't good immigrants to this country now you can agree with him that's okay i think you're wrong but it's okay i don't think it's racist to think that unlike some democrats do the problem though is that increasingly the modern evangelical church in this country, families are adopting from those countries. 
So when the president says that people from those countries don't make good immigrants, those people are increasingly becoming members of families of church-going Americans. And that's a problem. It's a problem because the president won his election by 70,000 votes in three states, and he lost the popular vote. And the people who supported him the most were evangelical Christians. And they did so not because they liked the president so much as opposed to he was running against Hillary Clinton. And so they decided to choose the lesser of two evils in their mind. And now he's not running against Hillary Clinton. He's standing by himself. And they're having to look at the president, warts and all, standing on the national stage. And you do have some evangelicals who are starting to wonder. And these Haiti comments and, and Africa comments, they play into that because he's talking about some of these people's kids. There's a real divide happening within the evangelical community on this front. And you should understand it. At least you'll be ahead of the media reporting on this. So, okay, so here's the divide within evangelicals. And, and you know, there I've got a lot of friends of mine uh, who have long called themselves evangelicals who are starting to think they shouldn't. There is a divide in this country uh, among Protestantism, uh, dispensationalists and, and Reformed. Uh, and, and the very short and sweet definition of this, and it really is a very dumbed-down definition, and I'm going to have to apologize for doing it, but just so you understand, dispensationalists are very common in Southern Baptists, and the way they tend to view the world is that you have a series of promises God made in the Bible, and each of those promises is fulfilled, and then there's a new promise. So you had the, the covenant with Abraham, and it was resolved. Then you had the covenant with Moses, and it was resolved. And the covenant with David, and it was resolved. And then you get the new covenant, and the new covenant is Jesus. And all the old covenants are the Old Testament. The new covenant is the only one that applies. The way that the Reformed faith looks is that you've got one promise, and it is administered differently and cumulatively throughout history. So you've got the, the promise in the garden, and then you've got the promise with Noah, be fruitful and multiply. And then with Abraham, be fruitful and multiply, you'll inherit the earth. And then uh, keep God's law. And then I'm going to bring a throne, and it's going to be an eternal throne. And all these things build to Jesus, who says, I, I came to fulfill the law. Um, and I am going to be the, the eternal throne. And, and the, the covenants of the Old Testament build to Jesus, a, a new administration of one long promise, that is, a reconciliation with, with God. And you've got this random thing happening in culture in the United States these days, where it is the Reformed pastors who have become the most prominent theological voices on the national stage talking in culture, whether it's Russell Moore or John Piper or Tim Keller or you name it, they all come from a Reformed background, and many of the dispensationalists are the guys you see prominently standing with the prosperity gospel guys defending Trump, whether it's uh, Robert Jeffers or Jerry Falwell or what have you. They're, they're with prosperity gospel heretics, and the prosperity gospel is a heresy. So you got a lot of people who are looking and thinking, you know, those guys, they don't really reflect my views, and I'm starting to feel uncomfortable with this guy who's having affairs on his current wife with porn stars and saying this stuff about my friend's kids from church. And the question is not, will they turn their back on Trump? But they might. 
But that's a question for 2020. The issue right now is, will they show up in November of this year? And it's looking like there are enough of them who are starting to become so dissatisfied with the GOP and with Donald Trump, they're thinking they won't. And there's a Democratic wave coming, and this could look like a, an extinction-level event in certain areas of the country for Republicans if these people don't show up. It's 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. So let, let me finish up this thought for you. Um, the president needs to hold his base to win re-election at a minimum. He actually needs to grow his base. Um, and part of the reason the president was able to win, and we know this from the exit polling, is that black and Hispanic voters did not show up in mass in 2016 for Hillary Clinton. She was not exciting to them. And Donald Trump has, despite what he said about his polling among black voters now, he, he he's scaring the bejesus out of all sorts of uh, minority voters and it's not really him it's the white nationalists and uh, the black voters in this country are connecting that to Donald Trump so he needs to grow his base and all he seems to be doing right now is uniting liberals against him and again here I am talking because I'm already hearing from angry people I'm talking in generalities I realize you may be an evangelical Christian who has a kid adopted from abroad and you love the president. I'm not talking about you. But it is possible for there to be a large group of people that you would otherwise be part of and you just, they're significant enough to move polls, but because you sound like that, that should fit you and you're not it. Well, it must not be true. No, actually it is. There are a large number of evangelicals, although they are a minority of the evangelical community, who are starting to pull away from politics because they voted for Donald Trump, they thought things would improve, things have not improved, and they're starting to think, we got something wrong here. And they're hearing voices like John Piper and Tim Keller and Russell Moore and others, and they want to go engage in culture. They want to focus on what Jeremiah said. The, the, they want to seek the welfare of their city First, They don't want to seek the welfare of their nation. They think national politics has gotten icky and they need to go focus on their local community. So they're withdrawing from politics. And if that happens at a high enough rate, it hurts the Republicans in November. On top of that, you've got the immigration fight. So you got evangelicals who are withdrawing. They're, they're, they're grossed out by what's happening. And let's call them reformed evangelicals because many of them, they, they come from a reform bent. They're not dispensationalists. So reformed evangelicals. They're pulling away from national politics, focusing on culture instead. Then you've got the the Trump diehards who are really upset. The president may sign an immigration deal, so the president can't sign that immigration deal, which is causing fracturing within the Republican Party because you've got the business community that wants it. So you may have either the Trump supporters or the business folks at home. You are shaping up for the perfect storm of a Democratic wave in November. Now, events change things. Let's readily acknowledge events change things. And the the big issue here with um, the big issue here with the president and immigration is my gut tells me 
Not always a reliable measure here. But my gut tells me the President of the United States stands for his base. And he's not going to go wobbly on his base. He is not going to go wobbly and betray them on an immigration issue. And so his base will loyally stay with them, but who else will? That's a problem. After the hour, I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on a very snowy WSB. I hope you're doing well. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. You know what? Let's go straight to the phones out of here. I'll deviate from what I was going to talk to. We got plenty of time. I got two more hours. Ann and Roswell, how are you? I am good. How are you, Eric? I'm doing well. So how snowy is it up there? Uh, it's chilly. It's really, really chilly. Uh, but the, the sun has melted some of the snow. However, in the subdivisions where there are little shaded areas, um, not so good. Still, still a little bit slippery. And I would imagine if there is a freeze overnight, it's going to be pretty ugly tomorrow. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking I'm going to stay off the roads. I think that is a wise decision. Okay, now you weren't calling for the weather, though. You were calling about polling. Go on and ask your question. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, asked, I asked you the same question last year, and I cannot, uh, well, be during the election process, and I can't remember exactly what your response was to it. But I wanted to know, where does all of this polling information come from? Because as um, an evangelical and a black conservative, None of this stuff that's happening now matters. I'm not going to budge. It's going to take a lot more than what is happening currently to make me budge because I'm able to look at it for exactly what it is. And whatever Mr. Uh, Trump does in his personal life, that's between he, his family, and God. I don't have anything to do with that. I'm just worrying about how he's going to govern the United States, how he's going to help us here. I'm not concerned with any of that other stuff. So these polls and stuff, you know, these polls kind of got you a little sideways during the election process, remember? Because you were saying that the polls pointed out that there was no way he was going to win. Well, yep, should have been looking at the state-level polling, although the national polling was right. He did lose by 2% of the popular vote, which is what they showed. But to your point, and by the way, just as an aside here, you didn't say this, but it's worth highlighting that what you're saying says this. This is a problem that Democrats need to recognize, that you are a voter who, when confronted with all of this, you're not budging, and one of the major reasons you're not budging is because you look at what the Democrats are doing, you're thinking these people are out to not just get me, but out to destroy my way of life. Exactly. And so you, you see a guy with all of his faults who's not out to destroy your way of life, and you're thinking, I, I, I can hold my nose if I need to. He's not out ruining me. Now, as to the actual polling, what there, we saw this big difference in Alabama. The the voters who were polled online and the the robot polls were not nearly as accurate 
as the live operator polls. The live operator polls all showed that Roy Moore was going to lose. The The polling that was online and the, the robocall polling all showed Roy Moore was going to win. And this is what we saw in 2016 as well. The, the live operator polls showed that Hillary Clinton would win the popular vote. But if you actually looked at the state-level polling, particularly Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, uh, the state-level live operator polling showed that Donald Trump was going to win those states. And historically in this country, the state-level polling is not as good as the national polling. And when you've got a 2 to 3% national poll nationwide, you, you tend to have a reliable lead. But this was a year, 2016, one of those anomalous years where you really need to look at the state polling and not just the state polling. You needed to look at the state live operator polling and the state live operating polling was harder to find because live operator polling is very expensive and they don't do a lot of it. But here's where the polling becomes a problem for Republicans. And that is that the situation with the GOP in 2018 is that Donald Trump is not on the ballot. And Republican voters hate the Republican Party almost as much as Democrats hate the Republican Party. That's problematic from a turnout issue. You see, there is part of the Republican Party that thinks the Republican Party is not doing enough to help Donald Trump. And then there is part of the party that thinks the Republican Party needs to stand up to Donald Trump. The GOP has a real divide right now on the issue of Trump. It may be his party but he hasn't captured the totality of the voters. And to the extent that he has captured the voters, there are a lot of voters who have walked away from the Republican Party. 2018, off-year elections, midterm elections, they all tend to be about boosting your base as best you can. Tax reform mitigating a loss, and the tax reform was a mitigation. Tax reform was to make things less bad, show the GOP could get something done. The problem here for the GOP still is this. They do not have voters who are energized as much as Democrats are without Donald Trump being on the ballot. And Donald Trump is not on the ballot. So that becomes problematic for the GOP. How do you get these people to go vote? Because all of the Democrats see that they're going to vote to vote against Donald Trump. They're hoping the Democrats will impeach him if they get back to the House. They've got a real incentive to go do this. I don't actually think impeachment would happen, but that's what they're thinking right now. The Republicans, on the other hand, are divided because they see half the Republicans as being too pro-Trump and half the Republicans as not being pro-Trump enough. So in addition to having these bloody civil wars within the Republican Party in the primaries, they're going to have a real fight getting people to turn out at the polls in November to, to rival the Democratic turnout. Again, we're only talking... Nationally, Trump won by 70,000 votes and still lost the popular vote. And he's not on the ballot this year. Those Democrats are just as fired up now, if not more so, than they were two years ago. And Hillary Clinton's not there turning all black voters. Donald Trump's there inspiring a lot of black voters to go vote against him by voting Democrat. There's a real problem. Here's the statistic that I did not know until two hours ago. There have been 34 races thus far, of Republican-leaning seats that have gone Democrat since Donald Trump became president. Now, that doesn't seem like a big deal because there have also been another dozen or so Republican seats that have stayed Republican and another dozen or so Democrat seats that stay Democrat. But you got 34 seats 
at the state and national level that have flipped. The last time we saw something like that happen was at the beginning of 2010 after the series of special elections that saw Scott Brown win in Massachusetts. That was a warning sign. I'll tell you, I was at a super secret meeting of the vast right-wing conspiracy in Washington last week, and they're all already accepting the fact uh, that the Democratic wave is coming. The question is, what do Republicans do to mitigate it? And they're having a hard time trying to come up with something to actually mitigate that issue. One thing that could mitigate the issue, possibly the Second Amendment, which is why you're not hearing Democrats push the gun issue right now. It's 26 after the hour. Look, if you're in the Noonan Coweta area, y'all stay off the roads, please. Because we're, they have imposed a curfew down there and they are going to throw you in jail if you get on the roads. They have had so many cars running off the road today. That's all they've done down there. Uh, police and, and EMT, they are just tired of pulling people out of ditches and getting people unwrapped from around trees. Um, you know, down in Macon this morning at 730, they had two people killed on the interstate Um a Honda Civic who was driving northbound on the interstate and a Mustang southbound on the interstate. The Honda Civic hit ice and spun around and neither of the passengers was wearing their seatbelts. They were expelled from the car, went across the one of them went across the interstate as a Mustang began spinning out of control uh, and hit and killed one of the ejected passengers. The other one it died from injury stain from being ejected for the ejected from the car just stay off the roads right now and it's going to warm up tomorrow afternoon but then everything's going to melt and there's going to be water and it's going to refreeze tomorrow evening so just stay inside for the next couple of days if you can help it Um, there is nothing that pressing for you to get out of the house there are no major box office movies out there right now okay I want to circle back around to the adoption issue when we come back. Um, those of you who haven't, uh, weren't here the first hour, there are moves in the state legislature to punish faith-based adoption agencies in the state of Georgia. Um, it has This legislation has made it to the floor of the Senate. You need to know what the legislation is. You need to know how to tell your state senator not to vote for it. It is an election year. It is possible to stop this bad legislation that would hurt faith-based adoption agencies in the state of Georgia. I'll break it down for you when we come back. Almost 42 after the hour. The phone number, 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. So, I got to circle back to the adoption issue because I brought it up in the first hour. It is a big issue, and I try not to, I try to do a balance here between state and national issues. And... I like to try to rotate the clock around and stuff. Uh, occasionally, there are big issues at the state level. Um, this is one of those big issues at the state level. And I will tell you 
just matter-of-factly that this issue is not getting major press attention and to the extent it is getting press attention, it is the, the Speaker of the House and the Governor's position is what is getting the favorable attention. I have had more than one reporter in this state from various news outlets tell me they believe that the gay marriage issue is a civil rights issue and that they have an obligation to cover it as such. So if you are, for example, a Christian in this country and you disagree with gay marriage, you will be on the losing end of media attention in the state of Georgia. I have had reporters tell me this. So that is why the adoption issue has not made headlines. Because they view the punishment of Christians as a good thing. They think Christians need to evolve and grow up and move beyond their bigotry. And unfortunately, the Republican leaders in the state agree with those members of the press who view this as a big civil rights issue for the gay rights community and will turn a willful blind eye to the First Amendment of the Constitution that allows the free exercise of religion. See, the issue I'm talking about is whether or not faith-based adoption agencies in Georgia should be punished for not performing gay marriage or not, not adopting kids into uh, gay households. The Republicans in the state Senate are considering HB 159, which is an adoption reform piece of legislation. No one disputes that we need adoption reform in Georgia. The question is whether or not faith-based adoption agencies should be punished in the process. What they want to do is pass this legislation and deny faith-based adoption agencies any protections so that faith-based adoption agencies would not be allowed to help place kids in foster care into loving homes. This is all about whether or not a faith-based adoption agency can help the state. And the position of the governor and the Speaker of the House is that faith-based adoption agencies should no longer be allowed to help the state unless the adoption agencies get rid of their deeply held religious views on marriage. This all comes about because of Obama-era regulations that penalizes states without these sorts of protections from dealing with faith-based agencies. The Trump administration has put a halt to a lot of this stuff, although a future Democratic administration could bring these penalties back. The governor, the speaker, and major Republicans in this state are scared to death of offending major corporations. Remember, the governor promised that he would sign into law a state version of RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And all the Religious Freedom Restoration Act does is it says that courts must give the religion portion of the First Amendment the same level of enforcement as the speech and assembly and press portions of the First Amendment. That's all Riffer does. It doesn't apply to the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker and, and private contracts. It applies to whether or not the state can force a religious person to 
give up deeply held religious beliefs in order to participate at, in the state, in the public square, with state benefits. That's all. It's been badly misrepresented by activists, particularly gay rights activists, who are deeply angry at people of faith in this country for not giving up their faith. They believe that those who have deeply held beliefs on marriage that stem from a faith worldview, that their religions have to be stamped out because their religions are bigotry. You can't have the trappings of normalcy as long as preachers will perform gay weddings and, and Christians look at it as sin. So you have to stamp it all out. And the governor and the speaker and relig- and Republican leaders of the state are being complicit here. They are pushing the state Senate to pass HB 159, which would deny to faith-based organizations religious protections. As a result of this legislation, HB 159, Faith-based organizations will not be allowed to place kids in loving homes that are in state care right now unless those faith-based organizations abandon their religious views on marriage. The Senate did have a provision in the legislation which said the state couldn't discriminate against these faith-based groups. And these faith-based groups would be allowed to continue helping the state without giving up their deeply held religious beliefs. The governor threatened to veto that legislation. And so the state Senate has taken it out. As it stands right now in the state Senate, if HB 159 passes without religious liberty protections in it, faith-based adoption agencies in this state will no longer be allowed to help place kids in foster care into loving homes. You're punishing kids and faith-based organizations to advance the secular leftist agenda of Fortune 500 companies and Hollywood. I would urge you to get active on this issue and reach out to your legislator and tell them to put the religious liberty protections back in. And I have made it very easy for you to do. All you have to do is text the word ADOPT to 52886. Text the word ADOPT to 52886. Y'all, I'm delighted to welcome Casper as a sponsor of the podcast for the show. We're just now doing this. Casper is the first one, and it's one I've got a pre-existing relationship with. Uh, After years of supporting a particular mattress store, uh, my kid wanted one of the online mattresses, and it happened to be Casper. We had gotten one for our dog. Casper actually makes a dog mattress that our dog Maggie loves and uses regularly in our room, and Evelyn wanted one in her room, so we gave it a try, and she has been quite happy with it. So it's kind of become a guest room mattress as well so we'll put people in there and everybody seems to like this mattress it is a comfortable mattress the experts at casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places now the original casper combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface it's breathable it's not going to get sweaty at night like some of these foam mattresses out there you can buy on the internet casper has done it right and they've got two other mattresses, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave is a patent-pending support technology to mirror the natural shape of your body. And the Essential is a streamlined design. It's not going to keep you up all night worrying about the price of it. These are good mattresses, good quality mattresses. And there's free shipping and hassle-free returns in the U.S. and Canada. You don't have to worry about it. If you don't like it, it is a hassle-free return. So how can you get this? Well, you can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com eric, E-R-I. 
and use the promo code Eric at checkout. Remember, it's spelled E-R-I-C-K. There's a C and a K. That's Casper.com slash Eric. Use the promo code Eric for $50 off select mattresses. Terms and conditions do apply. Seven after the hour, extraordinarily short break here. Um, when we come back, uh, we there are more details in the Stormy Daniel story. And Jim Messina, remember that him worked for Barack Obama. Well, he says there are sixteen potential Democratic candidates in twenty twenty. That's actually a problem for the Democrats. When we come back, I'll explain why having that many candidates is such a big problem. After the hour, I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. I had a couple of emails from listeners on the adoption issue who take issue with me and, and say they, they, they don't think the state should allow faith-based organizations to help, period, because of separation of church and state. <coughs> You know, this is a this is a valid public policy disagreement. So, so is not allowing faith-based groups to participate in adoption if they won't let adoption happen to gay couples. It, it, it is a valid public policy issue. It's just one I'm on the other side of. I, I disagree with. And I don't think it is an invalid choice. I just think it's wrong. And, and I think that a state like Georgia should reflect the values of the majority of its people not trying to chase dollars from Hollywood and big corporations. And Republicans in the state of Georgia have a tendency to chase the almighty dollar. I mean, this public policy, from my vantage point, is what it looks like when the state decides to praise Jesus and serve mammon. That's what it amounts to. you got a bunch of Republicans who go to church and say they love Jesus but they don't want those icky Christians they claim to be a part of helping the state with anything. I personally think that adoption is one of those areas where the state should let faith-based organizations play a larger role. Because historically, children placed from religious-based adoption agencies into loving homes tend to long-term do better. Why is that? Well, it has nothing to do with them being faith-based organizations, really. Well, I guess to some degree it does. That's arguable. The the point, though, is that um, faith-based adoption agencies move children into two-parent nuclear households, married nuclear households. They don't do same-sex adoption, and they don't do single-parent adoption. The reason they don't is because of their faith. Um, Muslims, Christians, and Jews all are derived from Abraham, the Abrahamic religions they're called. 
They have a very strong definition of marriage and society that is biblically based, a Genesis based, Genesis one based. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created mankind. He made the male and female. He put them together and said, be fruitful and multiply because God created the institution of marriage. These faiths don't believe that the state has the power to change the definition. Uh, even though Anthony Kennedy believed the state did, uh, they don't buy it. And they're not going to change their definitions. And what we're seeing around the country in California, in Massachusetts, in Oregon, and elsewhere is faith-based adoption agencies are shutting down. They're shutting down because they will not adopt kids into same-sex and single-parent households. And they would rather shut down than violate their faith. And I think we lose something as a society by having faith-based organizations have to shut down so that they don't have to violate their faith. And that's what's coming. And it's coming to Georgia <clears throat> more quickly than any of you might like. It's coming because your Republican leaders in the state are chasing the dollar, not chasing their faith. And that is real, I think, bad public policy. When they are chasing the dollar so much, they're willing to abandon their convictions. Now, I, I, I understand the people who say this is bad and these faith-based groups are discriminating. Um, what I'm telling you is that this is a matter of discrimination one way or the other. Either the state discriminates against the faith-based groups or the state faith-based groups are allowed to discriminate. And from my vantage point, the state should be the one entity not allowed to discriminate. And from my vantage point, the First Amendment of the Constitution allows individuals and entities to exercise their religion freely. And because they are given a constitutional right to exercise their religion, that means not just worship, it means to live their lives based on their religious beliefs, that the state should not be allowed to discriminate against them. Now, inevitably, a gay rights activist tends to call into the show and raise all sorts of, of crazy hypotheticals. What if their religion involves human sacrifice or whatnot? We're not talking about that. In fact, specifically, we're talking about Christian adoption agencies. And I, I just think it's very interesting that we're not talking about Muslim adoption agencies. And I suspect that if the prominent vocal adoption agencies in the state were Muslim and opposed to this legislation, that the Republicans in the state would abandon it. But you see, there's this, there is a discriminatory strain among political elite in this country towards Christians that doesn't exist towards Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and whatnot. And the main reason is because these governmental leaders tend to be older and white and think of themselves as Christian, they think other Christians need to look like them. And so they hold discriminatory views against people of faith, particularly people of Judeo-Christian faith, that they don't hold against other religions, and they expect these people to conform because in the back of their mind, they see them as they should be more grown up. They should be more in the real world. They should be less prone to myth. And so they, they de-Jesus the religion, so to speak. They, they all, all this Genesis 1 stuff, it's just old ancient mythology, so these Christians need to get rid of it. They can't hang on to this. They can't be bitter clingers. We, because we consider ourselves them, we have an obligation to pull them out of the Stone Age, so to speak. That's a, a view held by a lot of governmental leaders, and it appears to be a view held by people like David Rawson and even people like the governor, frankly. 
who are willing to say Christian faith-based adoption agencies can't be discriminated against by the state. I think that's wrong. And I think it's interesting. Michael Williams and Casey Cagle are running for governor and they are in the state Senate. And I, I would hope that they would both be vocally against this adoption legislation without it including um, protections for faith-based organizations. Uh, they, the two of them in particular, have the ability to persuade and push on this issue and to highlight this issue because they are running for office, statewide office. Uh, and I hope the Senate overall will not pass this legislation unless it includes protections for faith-based groups. It is a policy preference. I don't think the people who think on the other side are bad. Unfortunately, many of the people on that side think the people on my side are bad or bigots or whatnot. I just think people should be allowed to live their faith in public and exercise their faith, and the state should not be able to discriminate against them because they're living their faith in their business, in their charity, in their nonprofit. Um, and I know most of you agree with me, and I hope you will be active in this issue. Text the word ADOPT to 52886 and tell the state Senate not to pass this legislation unless it contains faith-based religious liberty protection. We had a caller who couldn't hold the line who wanted to know if the whole curfew thing, the the fines and whatnot in Coweta County, are they enforceable? Yes, yes they are. Uh, if a curfew is imposed and you are required to stay home by law and you venture forth and do damage and they have to rescue you, you can be charged, you can be billed the cost. Yes, you can. So stay home. If you venture out in Coweta County and they don't pull you over, which they very well met, and the reason I say this is because the, the law enforcement in Coweta County has had enough today. Good old boy Joy Riders thinking they can handle it in their 4x4s are going off the road, wrapping around trees. They've been dealing with it all day. They're tired of it. They want to rest. They are exhausted. And so they've imposed a curfew until 10 a.m. tomorrow. If you get out on the roads in Coweta County, they are going to throw you in jail. They're not going to send you home. They are very serious about this because they are exhausted and they're angry with you people just ignoring safety. And if you get in a wreck, they're going to bill you the cost of recovery because there's a curfew and they're allowed to. And it's going to cost you a lot of money. So stay off the roads in Coweta County. After the hour. Okay, so I, I've put this off until the last 10 minutes segment or so of the show. Uh, delving into this issue. Um, 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 Stormy Daniels. So she was paid $130,000 to stay silent. Now, here, here's one of the curious things about the story that stood out in my mind is that the story did not come out until January 12th, but the Trump lawyers had a statement from her on January 10th denying anything happened. But 
Her real name is Stephanie Clifford. She signed the statement from the Trump lawyers to Stormy Daniels. In her own words, she has confirmed that she and Donald Trump had a relationship, a one-night stand, in a Lake Tahoe, Nevada hotel room in 2006. Uh, It was confirmed by her friend, Randy Spears. It was also confirmed by her ex-husband, Mike Moss. She took and passed a polygraph test at the time of the interview. She didn't get paid by the Trump campaign until October of 2016. Got paid $130,000 and since then has stopped talking to reporters about it. She's not the only one. There's another um, adult film star out there who has had the same pattern. She uh, was also entered into a non-disclosure agreement. Let me just ask you this, because I, I got somebody yelling at me that I'm not saying alleged. I'm not saying alleged because it happened. How many people do you know sign non-disclosure agreements and get money for not talking about things that didn't happen. I mean, how, how many people do you know? Well, we're not president of the United States and that running. Okay, I I know people who've run for president of the United States. A number of the people who ran for president in 2016 are friends of mine. I, I am unaware of a pattern in practice. As someone who ran campaigns as well, I, I am unaware of situations where people were paid money to enter into non-disclosure agreements in exchange for not talking about things that did not happen. This happened. This happened. I, it, it, this, this fits the pattern. It is, an, I, it is an unending irony to me, an unending bit of hilarity to me, that the moral majority was founded by Jerry Falwell Sr. in response to the immorality and licentiousness and hedonism of the 60s and 70s and a political class that embraced that licentiousness, hedonism, and immorality. And the, the moral majority has largely died at the hands of Jerry Falwell Jr., who was willing to pose in front of a Playboy magazine with Donald Trump on it as he embraced Donald Trump for president. Now, I disagree with those of you who said y- you got to get him but Hillary. Yes, I totally acknowledge that he has done some very good things, including Neil Gorsuch. But, but Gorsuch only goes so far. Because one of the things that really stands out in my mind is that Anthony Kennedy is not retiring from the Supreme Court, it doesn't appear. And how likely is it that if the Democrats take back the Senate, they're going to use the Gorsuch precedent and they're going to refuse to hold hearings until after the 2020 election on anybody? I mean, it would be just staggeringly ironic to me if the Republicans lose the balance of power in the Supreme Court because of Trump when they went with him because they were afraid to lose it. And whether you agree with that or not, listen, I I totally get, I'm, I won't condemn anyone, I won't judge anyone, I totally understand and I'm sympathetic to the idea of it was him versus Hillary and you got to pick, I totally get that and I made that argument in the past. Until I just couldn't pull the trigger in 2016 for either one. I thought they were both too terrible to vote for. But I get it. I do. And there are a lot of people angry at me for not doing it, for not voting for Trump. 
a lot of people who are convinced that I hate the man. I don't care for him, but he's done a lot of good things. And I try to balance out the things that, that I disagree with with the things that I do. And there have been a lot of good things he's done, including signing tax reform, Neil Gorsuch, a lot of these judicial picks. But where I draw the line is I don't think there's a reason to apologize for, excuse, or turn a blind eye to his bad personal behavior. And I think eventually bad personal behavior descends into the job that you do. I mean, it's like the people who in, in, in entertainment circles who turn a blind eye to the drug habit of the celebrity because it's not affecting their performance. Eventually, it affects their performance. Eventually, bad character affects your performance. There's no doubt in my mind he's been cheating on his wife. We have two adult film stars who have come forward, said they cheated on, they committed adultery with Donald Trump while he's married to Melania Trump. They both have non-disclosure agreements entered into with the Trump organization and receive money. And whether you like things he's done or not, I just, what I am angry about is we're at a point where people are still putting on willful blinders saying, no, this didn't happen. No, this is a lie. And they just don't want to see the truth. They don't want to look at reality. They have convinced themselves the lie is true. And that, my friends, isn't Christian. I want to tell you all how much my wife loves me. While I've been in here, my office is frigid, by the way. It is cold. She made me a sweet potato pie with meringue on top. Quite delicious. Wish you were here. No, I don't. Uh, to join me with it. <laughs> now we got to figure out supper. We're frozen in still. Um, so I will be back on air tomorrow. And before I get off the air, I want to remind you if you're in Coyote County to stay off the roads. And the rest of you stay off the roads now. It has not gotten above freezing, but the sunshine was out. Hitting some spots in full sun and some of the snow melted and turned to water and didn't evaporate and now it's freezing. So there's more ice on the roads now. So please stay off the roads and stay with WSB because tomorrow morning in particular, the roads are still going to be a wreck. Many of your kids don't have school tomorrow. Many of you will be staying in. It's not going to get above freezing until tomorrow afternoon. So you really do want to stay indoors if you can possibly help it. I know you're tempted to go see the sites, but don't. Your local emergency management, law enforcement agencies and the like will thank you for not doing that. And I will see you guys tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.